welcome to Vegas TMI, the official City of Las Vegas podcast where we explore the topics that make the City of Las Vegas timely, memorable, and iconic. I'm Shane. And I'm Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Shane. So, what do we got on the docket today? So on this episode, we're going to be talking about transportation. And while that may not be the sexiest topic out there, like the weather, transportation is something that impacts all of us. I mean, you say it's not sexy, but I know lots of people, uh, Michael Campbell in our graphics department that probably has a pinup calendar of cars. True. So if you're a car fan, but yeah, whether you walk, bike, have a car, don't have a car, take the bus, all of those people use our roadways. And there's been a lot of changes happening recently. Yes. One of the big changes, Project Neon, is almost complete. By the time you hear this podcast, it may even be complete. And that's been a long time coming. I'm going to be so glad because I drive through the spaghetti bowl every day. Yeah, it's really been a mess. And so it's really been nice that new lanes have opened and new interchanges. Charleston's looking really fantastic. The traffic is flowing much better on there, you know, which is a huge gateway into the downtown area. But with Project Neon... NDOT has also launched more HOV lanes, especially on the 15. We've gotten a lot of feedback about that, a lot of mixed opinions on... Contentious topic. Yes, on whether people do or do not like HOV lanes. And new plans are coming to Maryland Parkway, too. That's something that people talk to us about a lot on social media, about the plans for it in the future, and is it going to get repaved? And it sounds like there's some exciting things on the horizon. Yeah, so 50 years ago, I was promised a Jetsons future. I still don't see any flying cars. When is that going to happen? Yeah, it doesn't sound like that's part of the plan, but I guess we'll see. We're going to hear from our director of public works, and we're also going to be sitting down with the Nevada Department of Transportation and also the Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada, or the RTC, to talk about the state of transportation and things that we can look forward to in the future. David, take it away. Hello, everyone. I'm David Riggleman, Communications Director with the City of Las Vegas. With the completion of Project Neon approaching, the recently launched HOV lanes, and new plans for Maryland Parkway and downtown, we thought now is the perfect time to discuss transportation infrastructure. Joining me now are three very knowledgeable people on this topic. Of course, we have Mike Jansen, the City's Director of Public Works, Christina Swallow, Director of the Nevada Department of Transportation and alumna of the City of Las Vegas, and John Benpoilis the Senior Director of Engineering, Streets, and Highways for the Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada, also known as the RTC to everyone. All of you, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate being here. Great to have you here. You know, over the last decades, the Las Vegas Valley has grown tremendously. No surprise there. With new residents and a lot of development, the transportation infrastructure has obviously had to try to change to keep up with the growth. What have each of your organizations had to do to keep pace. And Mike, why don't we start with you here at the city? Sure, Dave. Uh, to give you the city's perspective, the two things that stand out the most for us would probably be throughout the city, intersections that used to operate with stop signs. All of a sudden, they get real busy, meet warrants for traffic signals. And so we've had to build dozens upon dozens of traffic signals citywide. This year and next year, we'll probably build another 20. And so traffic signals is one of those pieces that that pops up on us as growth occurs. The second thing would probably be our central city intersections. They start getting real congested when more and more traffic from the outer reaches start commuting into town. And those intersections that might have been a little sleepy all of a sudden get busier. And we go in and we add some capacity to them, usually with some auxiliary lanes, bus turnouts, things like that. All right. Jumping away, let me skip over to you. 
RTC has really had to keep pace with the massive growth, not just within the city, but across the entire valley. What do you think? What are some of the things that you guys feel like uh, have been uh, the, the, the main ways to keep up with the growth? Well, uh, the RTC is responsible for um, not only operating the buses, which most people realize, but we're also the regional traffic managers, and we're the regional planners, and we're also responsible for administering uh, local funding uh, that comes from fuel and gas tax. So, uh, growth has obviously affected all of those all of those things. Uh, the signals that uh, Mike needs to build, uh, he comes to us for <laughs> funding. So we are in not only the city of Las Vegas, but all the member agencies. So uh, that's where um, that's where we contribute. Um, you know, we're always looking at uh, you know revising, upgrading our transit service, um, paratransit. Uh, we're also constantly looking at optimizing a signal uh, coordination. Um, we are also looking, obviously, at uh, maintenance. Um, you know, funding the maintenance needs of right. the, of, the, of each of our member agencies. So uh, we touch pretty much uh, everything transportation in the valley. Wow. Good stuff. Christina Swallow, we're proud of you. You're one of our own now uh, at the uh, at the state level. You're trying to keep track of everything across the state of Nevada. What has the state done to try to keep up with the growth? I know a lot of the growth has been primarily here in southern Nevada, but the whole state has seen growth. You know, it's that's an interesting challenge because we have an entire system that we have to maintain. So we have the whole asset management system that we have to make sure that what we already have doesn't fall into poor repair. Yeah, true. But then we also have to just keep up. And I think just like Mike and JP, we are constantly working on trying to figure out how do we meet with the meet the demands that really no other state or community is facing like we are. And you know, some of those things is are truly just like Mike said, capacity upgrades. There's no way around. Sometimes you just have to add additional capacity. But then we know that there's a limit to how much you can do that. And so we also are focusing on where are the efficiency upgrades. You mentioned HOV earlier. Um, There's also the active transportation management systems, all of the signs that we've put up along I-15. So really thinking not just about adding capacity all the times, but making sure we're using our system most efficiently because we can't build our way completely out of it. It's a a challenge. Yeah, it really is. You, You guys all have heavy lifts, all three of you in your organizations. What do you think for each of your organizations uh, have been your biggest accomplishments over the last five years? Christina, let's start with you. Do you think, is it Project Neon? Is is that really the biggest accomplishment? Well, you know, we just opened the Kyle Canyon Diverging Diamond Interchange this morning, and I would love to say it was that, but I there's no way, right? Like all of the projects that we've done, we've done so many projects in the last five years, but if I say it was anything other than Project Neon, my team will kill me, yeah, right? probably Project so, yeah, Neon, and the rest of us too, maybe. Right, that is, that truly has been our biggest accomplishment and biggest effort in the last five years. Having, having started Project Neon while I was working at the city. And I wasn't one of the lead team members, but I remember so closely how hard our t- our own city team members had to work as we started working on that. And then transitioning now over to NDOT and seeing just the sheer effort that went into getting that project done as smoothly as it was, yeah. it that it has been our most significant wow. project. John, how about for RTC? What would you say? Well, I think um, we'd have to say the fuel revenue indexing mm-hmm. program for sure. Briefly tell everybody what that is. I think if you if you go to the gas pumps, you're paying it, but you might not realize it's even there. Yes, it, uh, enabling legislation was passed in 2013. Uh, the Board of County Commissioners then um, 
enacted an ordinance that uh, allowed it to be extended by um, – it, it, it went to the vote in 2016 to be extended. And uh, it has brought in uh, – well, we've actually funded over almost 300 projects with it wow. uh, since its inception in late 2013, early 2014, uh, and encumbered um, almost a billion dollars, wow. $850 million. And those are capacity improvements. Those are maintenance improvements. They're uh, big projects like I-11. They're little projects like pedestrian uh, – safety upgrades, um, uh, intersection lighting upgrades. Uh, so it runs the gamut. So it's, it's really been a boon to the Valley. People said, Hey, you know what? We're going to put our money where our mouth is. We're, we're willing to pay the extra in our gas tax to fund these projects. And we're reaping the rewards of that now, clearly. Absolutely. Mike, how about for the city of Las Vegas? What would you say is our biggest accomplishment Dave, over the last five a, years? Here's a name that's going to sound familiar, the city's mobility master plan. You remember <laughs> yeah. how many council Vaguely meetings. remembered hearing about this, yes. <laughs> a lot of city council meetings. We reached out to thousands of our residents, yes, we did. business owners, asking them, what is that mobility element, whether you're a walker or a biker, a transit user or a driver? What are those elements where you live, where you commute to work? What are those things that you want to see in that mobility plan? And we managed to wrap it up after a long, long process, about $1.2 billion that we're going to invest in our transportation system for all modes over the next 10 years. And we're in year three uh, since it was passed back in May of 2016. So that was a a tremendous effort, but it was great getting to get that feedback from the community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It it, it gives you the sense that you're making the right moves because you've, you've talked to the public, not just tried to decide for them in a vacuum. Yeah, good stuff. Not only are the city and the RTC keeping up with growth, they're also planning for the future. Many transportation initiatives have started or are currently underway. So let's talk more about some of the big projects each organization is working on. Christina, got to start with you again. NDOT, you, you launched the new HOV lanes. You're wrapping up Project Neon. Got to feel like those projects are making a positive impact. I can tell my own commute in the morning is not taking as long as it used to. You know, those projects are going to have a huge impact, not just on today's traffic, but moving forward. I mentioned the efficiency, using our, our system efficiently. And and so they're going to have a lingering impact, but but they're not the end of it, right? And so what does what's the next? And the next, uh, we're, we have Centennial Bowl is still yeah. under construction. I think we have the phase we're in, plus one more phase after that. Um, this is the interchange with- out in the Northwest. People might not know what we're talking about. If you drive it every day, you certainly know what we're talking about. But if not, yeah, it's the, it's the big interchange out in the Northwest area. Yeah, Valley. so we have that one. We're talking about what we're going to do, which is not directly in the city, but at the Tropicana Bridge on I-15 and how people come down. Down. If they're coming down to play in downtown Las Vegas, they might be using going on I-15 through that bottleneck. We're talking about what do we need to do with the viaduct? The viaduct, the first bridge that was installed with the viaduct is over 50 years old now. Wow. The second bridge is approaching that. So what are we going to do with that? We have a lot of big projects that um, we are continuing to talk about. That, Like I said, we're a growing community, and, and we have to figure out how do we keep up with the pace of growth while also actively yep efficiently managing the system. I got a hunch you'll, you'll make a great uh, run at that. I, I just I just know you. So, John, let me ask you, a Maryland Parkway has been a hot topic recently. Uh, your board made the decision to go with bus rapid transit in that quarter versus fixed rail, which there was some discussion of that. Can you tell us more about the RTC's plans in this Maryland Parkway corridor specifically? Uh, sure. Yeah, as we all know, uh, Maryland Parkway is a high-traffic corridor for both uh, private uh, vehicles and transit. Uh, it carries, uh, you know, up to 40,000 cars a day in certain parts of it. And it's also our busiest route off the strip. 
with 9,000 uh, boardings a day. So um, that decision to go with um, the bus rapid transit over uh, some sort of rail system was a, a difficult one, obviously, but it was necessary uh, to um, start the process, to really start the process for environmental clearance. Uh, we had to uh, get what they called the uh, local preferred alternative in place. So it was a difficult decision. Um, if you uh, listen to the minutes, of the, there was a lot of discussion. It sure was. Yeah. Um, and it basically came down to cost. Um, the light rail system, our estimates were approaching $100 million a mile. Uh, like over a billion dollars for a, a nine-mile section. Uh, the BRT option is a, maybe a third of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, uh, with a, a, a true bus rapid transit system with uh, dedicated lanes and uh, stations, uh, signal priority, uh, you, can, you can move a lot of people. Uh, so that's, uh, that's how it came down. John, let me ask you, so is, is light rail – pretty much dead at this point, or is it still a possibility down the road? Uh, but first, we're going to try the, the, the bus rapid transit model first. Well, it was in order to start the preliminary engineering, we had to have that LPA. Gotcha. Um, so, and that's, we're going to move forward with the preliminary engineering, hopefully, well, not hopefully, we're expecting the, um, the decision uh, from the feds uh, over the summer and then start the PE uh, here in the fall. Uh, that uh, will go forward. Um, theoretically, uh, there is an opportunity at the end of 2020 to reevaluate. And um, so until we get to that uh, December 2020 timeframe, I guess uh, you could say that the light rail has a possibility. But uh, all the preliminary engineering going forward will be focused on the on the BRT system. All right. All right. Thank you for the update on that. And then, Mike, got to ask you, you know, the city is working to make our streets more pedestrian friendly, bike friendly. We're obviously very proud of that. What are some of the things that your team is currently working on and what caused this shift? I know this is one of the things that we've really emphasized. What caused that and how, how's that all coming? Well, David, first and foremost, uh, I'm sure Christina and uh, John will agree with me. Uh, it's the right thing to do, first and foremost, to uh, make our streets accommodating for all users. And um, for many years, we did a lot of good things for the vehicle uh, drivers, etc., mm-hmm, right. uh, but hadn't focused as much on the pedestrian and on the bicyclists as well as transit uh, users. And so we've uh, come a long way where almost every project we do now, we're looking at how do we improve that street, that roadway for all users of that facility. And um, really kind of what drove it is um, as a state, as a community of Southern Nevada, we've had a lot of uh, pedestrian fatalities. We've had quite a few bicycles. It's been sad. Uh, there's been many over the mm-hmm. years. And so uh, part of it is the region-wide effort to try to make those particular users of our roadways safer and feel more accommodated on the roads. And where we've really been focusing on it the most, David, is um, where the most pedestrian are in the city is downtown. Right. And right. so uh, we're in the process of reconstructing dozens of blocks downtown. A lot of people may not realize, but downtown has the oldest infrastructure in all of Southern Nevada. It's it's very old infrastructure. And uh, we have an opportunity now when we re- rebuild those streets to put in some features that make them a whole lot nicer for pedestrians and bicyclists. And of course, always accommodating the vehicular traffic. Very good. Making all those uh, work together without uh, too much conflict is the idea. Very good. Uh, You know, folks, these are all projects which you were talking about are projects the public is, I'm sure, uh, well aware of. But I'm sure there are other things that are taking place within your organizations the public may not know as much about. You want to give us some insight into some things that you're working on, maybe on the horizon here, that the public doesn't know anything about, John? 
Uh, sure. Uh, one thing I'm really excited about is our uh, what we call our cone detection and management program, uh, or smart work zones. Um, uh, with all the construction going on, uh, the orange cone uh, is everywhere. Uh, and, uh, of course, those things are, are symbols of progress and jobs, and, and they're good in that respect. But they're also a pain in the neck when you're trying to get from, from here to there. Yeah, I don't uh, rejoice when I see them most. No, nobody yeah. rejoices when you see them. Uh, they're in your way, and you're late, and it's a pain. Uh, so we're trying to get a handle on uh, where they are exactly and the effects that they're having using um, – uh, smart technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting. We're um, we've got um, we're testing uh, arrow boards uh, that are connected to Waze, so you can get an alert. That, Great app, yeah, on your yeah. phone, uh, uh, folks. If you don't have it, get it. Uh, Waze, W A Z E, right, John? And uh, boy, it's 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 a great tool. It's a great tool. Well, these arrow boards will send a message to Waze uh, that says uh, a right lane is closed ahead to merge left, and you'll get that alert well before you see the the actual arrow board itself. So you can make the decision in real time right there before you're up on the on the work zone to take an alternate yeah, route, or way, or yeah. if you look on your app and you don't see any red, and you can decide just to stay on the route, and, and there you go. That's uh, we're also working with a company out of Israel called Nexar, where they're using artificial intelligence um, and um, uh, video recognition to actually uh, use cameras to to recognize cones, and then send that information to uh, the traffic engineers in our traffic management center, uh, and to um, us um, in the in- on the engine. Engineering side, so we can, and also uh, potentially, where actually the city of Las Vegas's traffic uh, department is experimenting with that app with us, uh, so we can uh, understand exactly where those lane closures are and when they're active. Yeah. We know where the projects are. Uh, the agencies know where the work zones are permitted, but precisely yeah. when the work this zone is itself, closed versus that lane, or right. etc. Exactly, that is very difficult yeah. to get a handle. That's on. exciting. That's really exciting technology there. So, Christine, what about you? What's uh, what's a project the state's working on that uh, that we that we don't know about, or at least uh, haven't r- really heard much about yet. You know, one of the things that I was interested to learn when I joined uh, the DOT, because I, as you mentioned, I'm fairly new to the DOT, is just how much of a leader we are when it comes to connected and autonomous technologies. Mm-hmm. And one of those um, partnerships is actually with the RTC and via the FAST system. Uh, they, we've partnered with an uh, Israeli tech company, Waycare. They're using machine learning to help better manage our system. So they mm-hmm. can use data that's available, already publicly available data, weather data, ticket sales data. Um, historic crash data, historic boil volume data, down, yeah. boil it all down and, and figure out where a crash could happen, might happen, as early as two hours in advance of that. So they wow. already know based off historical data. It's sort of like minority report, only uh-huh. like cooler because it's real. And when they do that, they can stage emergency vehicles closer. They better able to zo- zoom in if an incident does happen. So they can have a 12-minute better response time, mm-hmm. better clearance time. Better clearance time means less secondary crashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, so less fatalities. So it's it's using big data to help also efficiently manage wow. the system. That's exciting Because really our system in Southern Nevada operates fairly well until there's a crash. <laughs> and that and that's where a and lot of our congestion is. never happen here. They never happen. That's where our congestion so. is, though. So right. if you can figure out a way to manage through and avoid the crash in the first place, which is what they're doing, yeah. 
you can really see huge benefits to our system. Exciting. That's very exciting. Mike, I, I know we got some great things in, in the works around here. Why don't you tell people about some of them? You know, David, I wonder uh, if, if many of our folks realize how much we've been doing in our downtown innovation district. And our downtown innovation district is, is really like a living lab downtown where we're working with so many technology companies to um, test and apply the latest emerging technology to make our infrastructure better, safer, you know, all of the above. And one of the projects that folks may not be aware of is arguably the most important road in the city, Las Vegas Boulevard. We're going to be starting to reconstruct it from Sahara all the way to Washington, three and a half miles. It's coming, folks. Starting early next year, but it's going to be uh, incorporated with a lot of this new technology, some of the stuff that um, Christina and um, JP have mentioned, uh, technology for the emergence of driverless cars, of autonomous vehicles. They're coming, and uh, some of the technology we're using is going to allow them to uh, get through our streets very easily. It's where this traffic signals talk to the car and back and forth, and uh, it's very exciting technology, no question. Folks, we're running out of time. It's been a great discussion. We could go on for hours talking about all this. We're in the middle of doing our 2050 master plan here at the city, trying to project what is our community going to look like? What do we want it to look like in 2050? So I'd like to get a prediction from each of you. Very short here. What is transportation infrastructure going to look like at NDOT, RTC, and in the city uh, in 2050? Long after uh, I'm out of my <laughs> current job and maybe elsewhere too. But John, why don't we start with you? What, what's your prediction for, uh, for well, 2050? Well, assuming people still have the need and desire to move from place to place, uh, which is de- debatable in 2030, uh, can you imagine a city of 3 million or 4 million without any traffic signals in it? I mean, in an environment where we have automated vehicles, where we have highly connected vehicles, theoretically, the vehicles can sort themselves out and share that space wow. that we call an intersection like the Jetsons. by themselves. Yeah. yeah. It, it is absolutely possible. I think you'll be hard-pressed in 30 years to find a vehicle that has a driver in it. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Mike, what about you? You know, as John mentioned, three to four million people uh, in 2050 is what's being projected. And uh, I would hope that in, come 2050 that we would have one heck of a robust high-capacity transit system throughout our valley that gives motorists uh, that other option that uh, while well, we have uh, the bus system today uh, moving it towards a high-capacity transit system, whatever that is in 2050, uh, I think we're going to see that because uh, it's just something that as a city gets bigger and bigger – Ultimately, uh, that that element is needed, and uh, I think it's going to happen. All right. Christina, last but not least, what are we going to see in the state of Nevada in 2050, do you think, in, in, in terms of infrastructure? I would love to see a state where we truly have zero fatalities. Yeah, me too. Zero yeah. fatalities and is truly multimodal. So whether you're in JP's autonomous vehicle or on Mike's transit system or if you're just choosing to bike or walk, you can get to where you want to go in the matter, in the means that you want to be there, and you know you won't have to worry about your personal safety along yeah. the way. Yeah, I, that, here, here, that'd be great that we're all going to get there in one piece. Uh, that's, that's, a great, that's a great division for the future. This has been a fascinating discussion. Christina Swallow, John Penuelas, our own Mike Jansen, thanks so much for being on the program with us. This is a great discussion, and uh, we really appreciate you being here. And everyone out there, thanks so much for listening. We sure appreciate you. Well, there definitely seems to be some impressive planning coming down the pipeline as we talk about 
what transportation is going to look like in the Valley in 2050. Yeah. What do you think it's going to look like, Jen? I don't know. I mean, you know, I think back on 30 years ago, 1989. When you were born? No, I was born (laughs) before that. But it seems like there really haven't been a lot of changes from then to now. And so it'll be interesting to see if a lot of the things that have been discussed in this segment about self-driving vehicles and zero fatalities, if some of that really can become a reality in the next 30 years. I'm just going to throw out my own uh, ideas of what uh, what should happen. And I'm going to say that uh, all roads and highways become parks and, and we all fly around with jetpacks. Alrighty then. It might be a little hot in the desert. I don't know. Your jetpack might overheat. You're going to have to work on that. I forgot to mention that Vegas is going to have a dome, a weather-controlled dome over the entire city. So Yeah, I mean, if we could get some Southern California weather, I don't think anyone would be complaining. Oh, California falls into the ocean. <laughs> Spoiler alert. There we go. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I ta- I am reassured knowing that really the leaders do have a plan and are really thinking about these things and how to bring them to fruition. So thanks for joining us today. We hope that we were able to inform you about the orange cones that are in your future, but also the many, many positive changes it's going to have on our culture and our community. If you want to get in on the conversation, then use the hashtag VegasTMI on social media. Send us your questions, send us your comments, whatever it is, let us know. For past episodes, you can go to lasvegasnevada.gov slash podcast. You can subscribe on the Google Play Music Store, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we're probably there. So from downtown Las Vegas, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. TTFN from Vegas TMI. <laughs>